Hi guys, it's uh, James here with the Project Esports podcast. Uh, we have a uh, a special guest to do a uh, interview with us, um, Justin M. Jacobson Esquire, uh, part of the uh, the Jacobson firm, who, who's agreed to spare some of his time with us and uh, chat with myself and Dylan. Um, Dylan, go ahead, my friend. Yeah, so I guess we'll go ahead and just kick the interview right off. Uh, Justin, you just want to tell us a little bit about your background, maybe some history on um, what you've been doing and kind of where you're at right now? Um, yeah, so, you know, as you had mentioned, I'm an entertainment, sports, and esports attorney based out of New York City. So I work on behalf of professional athletes, musicians, professional gamers, and other creative people, and I help them with their legal matters. You know, most of it's contracts and trademark and copyright based. But as, you know, things get bigger, you start dealing with visa and immigration stuff, certain tax, and just general marketing and brand protection. So, you know, I really kind of help creative people with the business and legal side that is sometimes very foreign to them. And, you know, recently, and I guess is one thing that you had mentioned, that there's been an emergence of a whole new professional area in some of these new emerging you know, media areas, including esports. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that I had noticed, you know, a little over a year ago at this point that, you know, someone like me who worked primarily in the entertainment, music, and um, major sports world to kind of come in and bring some of that knowledge and clientele and, you know, kind of just know how to that space that is attracting all those kind of, you know, mainstream athlete and other professional sports business investors yeah i guess that's kind of the spot where it gets worked in worked in the most i guess is the uh is the uh, almost entertainment athletic side of things as far as uh as, as as far as law more than more than really anywhere else yeah you know it, it's one of those things that like most of them is like you know advanced player you just want to go shoot the ball like yeah. you know you don't want to worry about like having to play jock tax and because you play games in all these different states and based on how many times you go to Cleveland to play the Cavaliers, you have to pay X amount of dollars for your game check. You know, if four of your 82 games are in Cleveland, you know, four 82 of your of your income tax has to be paid to them. You know, like you're not you can't you can't worry about those things. There's too many other things you have to worry about. Oh yeah, cool. No, no, that's a that's a that's a really a good way of uh, of kind of painting the picture there. Yeah, for sure. Um, what uh how did you kind of get into this like how, like uh i guess i guess starting with entertainment like uh like leading up to that what kind of pointed you in that direction well you know i've always kind of been involved in the entertainment industry and in, you know one form or another i've worked at a few different labels at mpv mm-hmm. you know help manage and work in you know nightlife and with certain club djs you know i kind of just was very familiar with the music and entertainment world and then just from there i just started you know, working through my own marketing agency to work on behalf of a few different athletes, some local Jets and Giants. We did a couple of charity events with some players, and I just really kind of was able to merge kind of what I was learning in the earlier days to what kind of was going on now and how I was able to kind of bring these branded, curated experiences to the entertainment and sports world. And from that, it just kind of, led me to thinking about bringing those same activations over to what's going on in the esports and gaming space. So do you think that your story of kind of like working in entertainment and merging in with esports is something that's going to be coming up a lot more often with uh, new people going into the same type of job you are? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, in the last couple of months, ICM, as well as I think UTA, had bought two existing esports agencies. Pretty much, hey, we bought an esports division and bought a couple esports agents that have, you know, a bunch of players. So it's already pretty much the mainstream entertainment Hollywood agencies are taking notice. Like, okay, well, we can send the same ambassadors and talent to Red Bull that we were sending, and now we have gamers that they're interested in, you know? Like, now you can have Ninja, who is now like a pop culture figure represented by CAA or some big agency, whatever it would be, and he could maybe be in a Pepsi commercial or something, you know? Like, imagine Pepsi with, Fort, you know, like Fortnite, Pepsi, and Ninja doesn't, yeah. it's not that far of a connection if you have mm-hmm. the right people pushing it. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen it with Dr. Pepper and TSM, you know what I mean? Like, we're exactly. already almost every there, Twitch, right? Every every Twitch ad has that. Yeah. I think it's yeah. that and Gillette. Is that is the other one I see? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense. They own, um, I think they have some sponsorship in one of the esports teams. Yeah, I think so. this is really interesting because this is definitely something that we don't always see. Um, I think in terms of just, like, law, the biggest thing that we see is, you know, back in the day of where a few lawyers were coming out and just saying like, oh, I want to advocate for players and whatnot. And these individuals just kind of really stepping up in esports. And we haven't really seen a lot of the, you know, less vocal um, kind of firms who are actually like sitting back and like getting really invested in putting a lot into the industry. Well, I think that like most of the kids that you're kind of mentioning were kind of bored and bred in gaming. Like they've been playing all these games. Like most of their clients, like, they're able to play with like you know one thing we're talking about is the nba 2k week i love being able to log on and see the kids and play with them and you know kind of bond on that front too so like if you're representing overwatch kids and you can play overwatch with them especially if they're korean while you may not be able to like really communicate with them you can at least kind of do something that like you could connect on so i think that that you know really is where that most of their backgrounds came from and it's a little bit different than where kind of I came from. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a different angle to see, like, like having almost that advantage of like having uh, like you know that unique point of access that they're already familiar with, like both parties are already familiar with. So it doesn't feel as foreign to bond with somebody, um, in, in, like into a business relationship that already you can already kind of associate through the game itself. You know, you be two K, be it be it Overwatch, like it's a. Yeah, it's a bit of a unique angle, right? Very, very untraditional, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, it's like you can go on a golf course and bond with a client. Like, why can't we go in a rec center game and, you know, walk on and just kind of pass the ball around and, you know, you know, as they say, just talk a little bit, get to know each other. Because it's like, oh, I have a call with my lawyer at two or, you know, my agent, whatever it is at two. Like, it's just kind of, there's something in their head about that on the phone. But when you're in the party in the headset and, they're playing, it's just kind of a lot more natural. And it kind right. of almost like evens the playing field a little bit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a, definitely a, a much more casual setting, I guess, right? Yeah, but at the end of the day, like, you need to know how to give informative stuff during, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not just sitting there saying good shot. Like, you, you, you got to pitch your stuff while you have their attention. No, that's, uh, yeah, that's, oh, man, that's, that's definitely true, yeah. Uh, Dylan, do you have uh, anything else, I guess, on this uh, along this topic line? No, I just think it's really interesting because it's definitely kind of like a merging of two different cultures, and I think it's I think it's interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess, I guess the, the next thing, Justin, is going into um, the actual players themselves. Um, we're slowly starting to see, very slowly starting to see, um, emergence of players unions in esports altogether. Um, the only two I'm fully aware of is CS:GO's and League of Legends players unions. Um, what is your overall take on them? Do you think they're effective? Do you think they're necessary? Um, do you do you think there needs like more more um, more titles need them? Um, how, what's, what's your kind of what's your take on it? I mean, honestly, you know, that's always one of these sensitive subjects. I think at the end of the day, what we're starting to see and kind of where the idea of players associations and you know labor unions and comes from is the need for some protection that there's been stuff going on where there's teams not paying, you know, tournaments not paying just the teams aren't reimbursing, but you know, some stuff's going on that there are enough issues that enough money's at stake that you need competent representation involved. So where the unions kind of come in is in theory, they're trying to collectively voice the players, you know, securing the best possible working conditions, and, you know, as you were mentioning, the League of Legends Player Association, which is really only for, you know, North American mm, yeah. LCS, is not in Europe or Asia. So they're really kind of putting their limitation on one, you know, country in, you know, continent in North America and Canada. So at that point, that's, you know, like there's a lot of European and clearly a lot of Korean and Asian and Oceanic competitors at this top level. So at that point, you're trying to help a lot of people, but you're not really able to help everyone, you know. And as they get bigger and more people involved, and each person has a unique issue that you just really have to realize that while a prayer union can go for the general stuff and, you know, try to teach you, you know, programs to help you with your money and stress management, you have different and specific issues related to you. You know, like I was talking to a kid who's, you know, a player that's like, okay, 19, like, I, the, the tryouts for this team are in this time. Like, do I enroll in college? And then, like, if I make it, I have to leave. Like, I'm like, okay, we got to find out when you can unenroll, like when they're going to charge you kind of thing. Yeah. And then you can make your decision based on that, you know, the information you know then. And it's just, like, that's a big decision. If, like, you, you know, say, okay, like, I'm going to make it and you don't get in and you don't make it and you withdrew, that sucks. You know, like, that might be an issue. You might not be able to get in. You might pay late fees, like, you don't know what's going to happen. You might lose a spot in the class that you needed. And, you know, that's an individual situation. I don't know if a player's union who has 20, 50, 100 players, however many it may be, will be able to address that while all of these other players have their all similar issues. You know, I don't believe that you have these huge player associations like, you know, the major leagues like the NFL and the NBA where you have a floor of lawyers and the negotiation arbitration division and you know you have multiple people to handle these kind of things you know i don't know if these players association are at that point where they have that kind of infrastructure you know like i know that one the csgo when you mentioned has you know one attorney who's based out of europe helping them so they don't even potentially have u.s you know council local council that familiar with certain local rules that may be different in Europe and America. You know, the labor laws, there's definitely a big difference between what state you're in and everything. So there's a lot of more local national issues that because you're an international agency and you just don't have the funds to have 10 lawyers 
you know, handling these issues, you can't really get to everyone. So even if these things are existing, they're starting to come, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, players need their own reps or attorneys or just someone in their ear that's confident worrying about them. You know, I think that's something that shouldn't kind of be lost in it. Though. Like, oh, I'm a professional player. The player agency got me. Like, yeah, until you have an issue and 10 other people have an issue and it's like, you know, we'll help you when we can, you know, and that might not help you if you have to pay rent and the team's not paying you money. And like, the t- and now the League of Legends has to go after them. And, you know, if they're not paying you money, they're clearly having issues with money. Like, these teams don't want to not pay their players. Like, the worst thing they want to have to do is go on Twitter and explain stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Reddit is, is like not, you know, they don't want to have to do the AMAs. Like, I'm sorry for what's going on. Like, we will pay them. Like, they don't want to deal with that stuff. Yeah, so you so you you see a like an inherent issue with the how the players union is set up just because it is already like a globalized, um, a, a, a kind of a globalized, uh, I, I want to call it a, like a, almost an anomaly. You know what I mean? Because you like the players unions that exist now are very localized. They're very tailored to the to the market and stuff like that. But with esports, again, like you like you said, like League of Legends is only catering specifically to North America. When of course. As you well know, we have the LPL, the LCK, EU LCS. You know the, uh, the I don't I don't I can't remember the Russian league right off the top of my head, but the o, the OPL. We saw we saw like you know massive massive yeah, legal issues coming out of the OPL. International, yeah. I mean, I just think that the way they are now in their infancy, it's not like feasible for them to be. You know, not like that there's anything wrong with them. I think that it's a great thing that players are getting educated and seeing the need to have representatives and professionals and people on their side that they're understanding that they're talking about a lot of money and contracts that have far reaching implications on their life. Like once you're 18 years old and stuff, you're signing that stuff, unless it's really, really bad. And like you like hadn't, you was like pretty much threatening you to sign it kind of thing. Like you're going to have to live up to it, you know? And like, if you sign a really bad buyout or, you know, some kind of right of matching that like they, that you can't compete in another team for a year or six months or whatever it is, like it might really be enforceable. So mm-hmm. like the fact that people are starting to understand that there is a need for a professional like me or a representative of the players association, whoever it is, I think is a plus, you know? So that's like the way I'm kind of looking at it that like, I think it's great. You know, I think that it's amazing to have people that try to balance the scale a little bit, people that know what they're doing. You know, because you have these big companies like Robert Kraft and the Wilpons and all these huge multi-million dollar guys, and you're you're negotiating with you know the 18 year old in Florida who's really good at PUBG. Like, what does he know yeah. about the 25 page agreement that you're giving him? Trust me, he really doesn't know what it says. Oh yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so, um, it sounds like the player unions definitely aren't living up to what they need to be. And uh, we actually had a, a list of questions, so I'm going to kind of just merge two of them together. Um, but it definitely sounds like you're more on the avenue of um, instead of focusing so much on the unions, we need to be um, working towards player advocacy uh, more on like an individual level. So obviously that's something that you push for a lot. Do you think that's being done well right now? Um, and obviously, do you think it's like too and not widespread enough and obviously needs to be a lot more widespread? Well, I mean, I think it definitely needs to be more widespread. I think that I, I don't think that, you know, there's anything inherently wrong with the union or the unions that are recreating. I think that they're great and it's definitely the right direction. 
that there's a real acknowledgement on the part of Riot and the part of just these independent gamers that they need someone who's in their corner, who's doing the right things, who's just on their side. Like, you know, yeah. that was definitely an issue early on in esports. And as more people like myself and others are getting involved, you're having more people who have experience, you know? Like I said, you're having people who are used to dealing with the Warners and the Sonys and the Viacoms, these big entertainment companies being able to now, okay, well, this is how these negotiations go. Like, I'm sorry that you've been negotiating this way for a couple of years on these players, but, like, that's really not going to fly, and you really know it. And now that, like, MSG and, you know, these big entities are involved in kind of running CLG and all these things, they kind of have to know that if you ask for certain things, you might be able to get them. And that these contracts aren't, you have to sign it and that's that as sometimes people think they are, you know? I think that there's reasonable and then unreasonable. If you're asking for something pretty reasonable and they come back with something that's not too far off, well, you didn't get exactly what you wanted. You did better than you originally were. And I think if you don't even ask for it, then you don't even have a chance to get something better. And I think that without having someone explaining that to you or helping you or encouraging you, hey, well, I don't think it's unreasonable for them to cover this if you go there. Like, let's just make it so that if you have to spend X amount of dollars, they approve it and they'll pay you back. Like, I don't think that's unreasonable. Like, they're making you spend this money. So they should, it should be incorporated in the budget somehow. So, you know, I really think that it's just overwhelmingly a good sign that more people are coming in and that, you know, the need to have unions and more organized advocacy is coming into play. Yeah, definitely for sure. Uh, so the w one thing that you brought up was like, you know, the kid in Florida is really good at PUBG and stuff. And now how do we get to a point of where that kid who unfortunately, I'm sure it's happened a million times of where a team has probably approached him and he instantly thinks, oh, you know, I can play for a team instantly signs that contract and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure there's probably a lot of horror stories out there. How do we go about just like starting to educate some of these these uh, these kids who are coming up in the scene to actually understand like yeah I need to go out there I need to be represented fairly I need to be able to get my fair share of things and, and actually seek out people like you. I mean that's why I'm here. You know it's all about trying to educate the masses and let them know that people like me and you know our colleagues exist. You know obviously check their credentials and ask for recommendations and get an idea of what they've actually done. You know, everyone claims to be an eSport consultant, but, like, what have you actually done? Who are you working with? Like, what is kind of your credibility in this? You know, you don't have to be working with every single player in the entire world to be credible and knowledgeable and be able to assist someone. And I think that it just kind of comes with over time and, and really, sadly, more kids getting having issues. Like, that's really the problem, that it's, like, one of those things where, like, it's not your problem until it's your problem. You know, like, like you don't care about your contract until you want to leave your team because, like, things aren't good or, like, they're not doing well, they're not starting you or they made a trade for a kid and you don't like it. You know what I mean? Everything's good until it's not, and most of the time it's really too late. Do you think do you think this is one of those things where it's going to get worse before it gets better, before we really start seeing, like, almost a... Um... I, I I don't want to say like a cookie cutter a cookie cutter way of doing things, but I like this is still, like we're still like like you said like we're still in very much an infancy stage with a lot of these a lot of these things, especially with player advocacy, player unions, everything like that. Do you think like 
you think we still have a, a fair amount of like growing pains that go through these with these sort of uh, sort of transactions before we have like a solidified way of doing things? Sadly, yes. You know, I think it's one of those things where enough people have to have issues that matter to people. You know, someone really influential has to get really, you know, as I say, screwed. You know, get into yeah. a real predicament and not really be able to handle it. That like everyone's gonna be like, wow, like if that could happen to him. Like, what do you think the team's gonna do to me? Yeah, no, that's fair. You, we need, we almost, we almost need an icon as a, uh, as yeah, you know, we need that as more. a martyr. So, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sorry, but like, you know, Ninja, like Chipotle's gonna have to stip you on a check and say, well, you didn't hit this amount of streams at the time we looked in, and that's what it says in the contract. So, you know, we're not paying you the extra twenty Gs. Have a nice day. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean, and let's just say we haven't. To my to my to my recent knowledge, I don't think we've seen anything like that. I mean, there like was like that. a big thing recently with like denial esports. I don't know if you saw like there was like a joint statement put out with some of like you know some of the other esports attorneys like about how this guy systematically underpaid the players and like all these other using you know using money to pay for other like you know just really mishandled the funds and caused damage to you know a bunch of these players that like. They were borrowing money from people. They were just put in really bad situations because they were expecting this money. And it was like, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And as we know, if the money isn't there, it's probably not coming. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think yeah. that's probably a unfortunately very common problem with a lot of these smaller teams and amateur teams. And, I mean, even some of the esports startups, you know, like they probably have that kind of story happen a lot more often and i mean this is probably one of the, the few times you actually hear about it yeah i mean I, I definitely have had you know issues of kids coming with like a 20 page contract like well like they don't want to play me anymore like they're dropping the team like what can i do like i need this money they owe me three months well we can try to ask them for it but like if they're dropping the team and you and like they're not really answering your phone call like it's probably going to be pretty tough to get you your money yeah 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 and so, it, like, it, like the, I think I think something unique to the to the esports community, and I think it, like probably why I, I, like we need player advocacy that much more is because we, we're we're dealing with like an immaturity thing as well, or not not immaturity, but lack of maturity, lack lack of lack of uh, you know like life experience. This is all right? new to them, exactly. This is totally new to them. Like you know, as I'm talking a little bit about the NBA 2K League, like these kids are 18, 19, 20 years old. Like I'm yeah. definitely probably the first entertainment esports attorney with platinum records on his wall that said, hey, like, let's talk, like, good game, you know what I mean, that actually took an interest in them, and you had to schedule a phone call with them and kind of was interested in them on that kind of level. So that's pretty much probably new for most all of these kids. Yeah, and like I mean, like, and, and that's just it, right? I don't think anybody's, I don't think that anybody's used to that. They're probably not even used to anybody. Like imagine Rick Fox from Echo Fox be DMing you, hey, you know, Ninja, we want to sign you to our Fortnite team. Like yeah. Rick Fox, that you know, like L.A. Laker, like okay, that works. Yeah, and do you now? Do you think with that, with that level of um, uh, 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 prestige, maybe not, maybe not to somebody to the degree of Rick Fox, um, but you know, somebody, um, I'd say uh, like along the like maybe like the lower end, but still somebody who's um, who has like a like a decent, you know, they have uh, a decent portfolio put behind them and stuff like that. Um, do you think that could open up something for almost like predatory contracts as far as like 
because like some of the more I don't know maybe malicious firms. I don't know. I don't know how common they would be. Um, could be taking advantage of the players because, again, like we said, they, they, there's not a lack of maturity, or there's a lack of maturity. There's a lack of experience. Do you think we're going to start seeing, you know, more sketchier things come out of this? I mean, I think at push comes a shove. If people really wanted to push the current paid contracts that are pushed around, you know, they're a little bit one sided. They're a little bit ambiguous. Like, you know, I think that if you negotiate a little bit it becomes a bit fairer and more balanced so but ultimately i think that these are prepared by competent attorneys that know what they're doing and like Mm -hmm. their industry standard and like you know that's where hopefully the power of a player agency or you know esports advocacy whatever it becomes when whatever form it is to be able to kind of balance the scale a little bit you know that's kind of my biggest thing it's like these guys are coming with you know, they represent huge companies worth millions of dollars with huge retainers. And, like, they come with 20, 30-page agreements. And, like, they cover a lot of stuff. And they're very comprehensive. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that if you're going to read through it, like, it, it takes them a good hour and a half, two hours to really go through with it and explain and understand it. So, like, that's, like, the truth of it. That, like, this isn't like a five-page agreement that says, here's your name, how much here's how much we're paying with you. If you don't do it by this date, like, have a nice day. Right. You know, okay. these are very elaborate. They have, you know, because there's, there's so much ambiguity and flexibility in this stuff. You mm-hmm. know, they, there's so much roster changes and tournament components and streaming components. And, you know, if you're not on the active roster for a tournament or if we sub you halfway through, you know, there's just a lot of different things that come into play. Like, if we use you for a certain amount of promotional events, like, is it tied to a tournament? Like, is it you have to be there two hours earlier to do meet and greet? Or is it, like, a separate thing in addition to that? You know, like, those are two different things. Like, if you have to leave two hours earlier, like, that's a, that's not as bad as if you have to go somewhere in addition that would have been your day off. Right. You know? Yeah. So, and, all, and all of this is know, kind of laid out, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, are you going to get paid for this day or that day? Like, if it's a tournament day, like, are we going to, you know, give you a time, a little bit extra because you have to come in earlier than everyone else? Or Mm -hmm. is it just part of your duties? You know, it all kind of comes down to what the contract says. And then, well, let's be real. If the team isn't going to have, you're not going to ask for more money, why is it going to give you more money? Well, and that's that's the other thing, too, right? Like, I mean, if you're not asking for it, they're not going to be like, well, you know, we're just going to give well, it to them, right? Yeah, like, well, we could give you an extra 500 per promo event, but because you didn't ask for it, like... Why would we do it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, because then the next time we're going to ask for 1,000. You know, it's like, that's the truth of it. That, like, you know, I think that there that some, you know, pro league, some of these, they may kind of standardize a kind of salary or set of whatever max salary. And, like, I don't know how okay that is at the end of the day mm-hmm. you know but at the end of the day it's also eyes in the beholder someone's going to pay you x amount of dollars and it's a lot more than someone else is going to pay you otherwise like do you just have to take it and be happy with it oh. especially if someone else will be happily will take it well exactly right and that's just it you don't want to you don't want to miss the opportunity either right like i mean exactly so you kind of feel like i have to take it even if like I could probably ask for a little bit more or, you know, maybe I think I'm worth a bit more because of this. 
And that's just it, too. Like, I, I feel like that's where player advocacy, advocacy comes in so heavily, especially because, again, we're, we're talking about we're talking about like teenagers and early 20 year olds who are being play paid to play a video game, which all they day probably and all, all day, all night. Exactly. Right. So like, exactly. Like I know me as a 20 year old when I was a kid, like if I was like, man, somebody's paying, willing to pay me to play a game. And yeah, it may not be the best contract set up, but they're still willing to pay me to do this. You don't even I'm think already do, I'm already doing it all, all night anyway. Yeah. And I'm getting paid for it. I'm like, I'm not going to try and haggle with these guys. I'm just going to take it. Right. Exactly, and like that's the mentality of ninety nine point nine nine nine, not one hundred percent of people. Yeah. No. Yeah. Until, no, no. Until something happens, until you realize, Ouch, it, it, yeah, taxes then, really hurt when you have to pay them, <laughs> and it's taken right out of your check. That big number gets chopped out way quick. Right. Oh, so yeah. That first job you get at, like you know, first summer job, and you see the check, it's like, oh, but it said I was getting twelve hundred. Yeah, but like you didn't know that of that comes taxes and FICA and all this other fun thing. Oh, that's just it, man. Most of these kids don't even have like a job prior. You know what I mean? Because I mean, yeah. this is usually kind of what happens with with players that are so good, right? Because they devote themselves to it, right? So these yeah, are like, like you have so many one learning experience rolled into one, right? Yeah, and then you have sixteen, seventeen year old kids that are like they're like so good at it because they play all night, and like that's who they're looking at, like. You know, there's these new academies for Overwatch. Same way they're kind of do with soccer. We're like, we're just like training these 16, 17 year old kids to be the next 18 and 19 year old Overwatch kids. Yeah. And so actually I had a kind of a related question. So just for like, I guess myself, because I don't know how this process works. And just for transparency of like anyone who is like a younger player who should be going down this road if they're going to get on a team. What does the process in connecting with someone like you look like? So uh, say like I'm 16, 17-year-old kid. I'm really good at Overwatch, and one of the academy teams wants to pick me up, right? And I'm starting to get into it. What does it look like reaching out with you and the process of just working with you and working with the team? Like how does that whole process kind of look like? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, what's nice about the internet is you know, everyone's connected 24-7, whether it's twitter or instagram or facebook or discord or whatsapp or slap you know like there's a hundred ways for someone to get in touch with you all through your phone and whatever other apps so realistically just kind of reach out you know email is usually the best because you know most people have their email and check it pretty readily but like if you're like someone's like oh like hey you know dm me hey justin like i got a player contract i'd love to talk and then it's easy it's like okay we'll get on the phone we'll see what's going on. We'll figure out what's kind of involved in it, you know, figure out what it, the costs associated and the time that is anticipated. And then it's just like, you kind of get to work and it's, you know, it, it's pretty, it's a lot simpler than maybe it kind of sounds, you know, and if you're younger, 17, 18, or even if you're 19, 20 years old and you want to have your parents involved. And I definitely encourage that. Like I've had numerous calls where it's me, the player and their parents. And I'm like talking to both of them. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, you want them to know that you're in their son's corner and that you got them and that, like, you're on behalf of them. And I think that you, like, approach them respectfully and, you know, but you also are keep it real. You know, I think that that's one thing that I like to pride myself on is, like, I'm not going to tell you how great you are if, like, I think that you're not as great as, you know, you want me to tell you you are. Like, you know, I always think that constructive criticism and people that understand that, it's important. 
because you can always get better. Like that's the truth. Like I'm sure when this is done, you can go back and find five spots that I could have answered more succinctly or whatever. But you know, the point is, is you just kind of just get involved, start there and kind of develop this relationship to where they are comfortable with you. They want to go to you and ask your opinion on stuff. You know, that's kind of what's nice about it is that once they start seeing that, you know what you're doing and you're doing right by them, they kind of open up more and the relationship becomes even better. So yeah, I guess I guess the two the two golden rules is kind of one, be aware that you guys exist, and two, reach out in regardless like in any capacity whatsoever, right? Like Yeah, kind of... because we're all tech savvy guys, you know, LinkedIn like we're all looking for these kind you know, these kind of opportunities because that's what this is about is helping people that realize the need for it. You know, now like you said, not every eighteen year old kid is gonna even think that they should have this big contract looked over by someone because they don't really understand. Like yeah. you said, they'll just get caught in, oh, wow, someone's going to be $1,500 to play the game. Like, you know, all they see is the number and, yeah. you know, that the team has a lot of followers, so they assume they can pay them it. And, you know, maybe they're smart and they'll see about other kids on the team and ask them what it's like to work with them, you know. And you just, you know, that's the way I look at it. Is that, like, kids that are intelligent enough and, kind of see the bigger picture will kind of seek out other people's opinions and want other people who are competent in ways that they're not. Like I don't expect a 19 year old kid to understand this contract language. Like, you know, I've been a lawyer for, you know, involved in these contracts for a long time now. Like I've spent hours, you know, they like going through this stuff, understanding it, trying to figure out ways to benefit, you know, whoever my client is. Yeah, so, but yeah, and they're not gonna have like any, that's just it. Like you said, they're not gonna have any clue what half of it means. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the almighty dollar sign at the bottom for them, and that's that's kind of that's kind of it. So, um, I guess I guess in regards to that, and like kind of just bringing it back to how you how you spoke about um, you know, a lot of the, these kids' parents getting involved as well, especially with the, the younger like sixteen, seventeen, you know, trying to develop them into stuff, um. Do you, do you do you heavily advocate, especially I guess even when they most are legal, to be able to sign stuff on their own? Do you heavily advocate for parents to be involved just so they're aware, kind of of what their what their kids are getting involved into? I mean, I, I kind of ask, you know, I always, you know, if I always inquire because, you know, if you're living at home with your parents, like, you know, do, do they want to know that you're real and that like this is a real contract and that, you know, you're taking care of and you have someone who knows what they're doing advising them. Mm -hmm. like, I think that's smart, but like, you know, if you're 23, 24 living on your own and like you're doing your, you know, like you're 23, you know, like you're, if you're old enough to make decisions and you feel confident enough, then who am I to, you know, tell you otherwise? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, like if you're a 15 or 16 year old kid, I would say like, we should probably talk to your parents, you know, like, are they, you know, what's going on? Like, you know, I don't want. You, you know, some, and honestly, those contracts wouldn't be enforceable without their parents signing it. True enough, you know, in yeah. In most states and stuff. So, you know, for anyone under 18, you probably need the parental signature anyway or a guardian. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, because yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, so, you know. have anything i guess in this scope because i'm uh i'm looking to i'm looking to uh like, i guess tone it down a little bit from the legality um unless you have anything else there dylan no nope awesome awesome so i i i spoke briefly 
before we started up the interview about the uh, the uh, expansion draft tonight that happened. Um, I I, I kind of I, I know this is a I know this is a big focus point for you. I wanted to kind of get your impression of the the two K league all together. Um, you know what you thought was good, what you thought was bad, what do you think they you know what they could improve on stuff like that. Kind of kind of your your take from it, I guess. Even even from your position, you know, I, I guess in the industry as your job or like just your personal opinion of the league as a whole. Like, what do you what was your what were your takeaways from it? Well, yeah. So you know, as you said, about two you know three hours ago, there was the NBA 2K League expansion draft where the four new teams, including the Lakers and the Nets, which is exciting in itself, drafted some of the players that weren't protected from the original 17. So honestly, I had a really, I loved it. I had a great time. You know, I, I went to the studio to watch it live numerous times. I was there for a few tournaments. So I got to see the teams winning and watch the finals and watch them win. And I was there for the actual 2K League finals. So, you know, I really got to understand and feel a lot of the different atmospheres when you have, like, this New York crowd that's like, oh, my God, they're going to win the championship. This is amazing. You know, like we're witnessing history that, like, 10 years from now, like, if the 2K League is huge, like, I was there th- that when the Knicks won the first championship. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, like... You know, so, like, the way I look at it is that I think that they did a great job. You know, they pretty much, throughout the whole thing, enhanced all aspects of it. You know, so some things that I just noticed from the beginning to the end was, you know, first a huge change, which was a crowd favorite, was changing to the 2K cam. You know, the broadcast cam and what was presented on Twitch, they changed it so it was more of, like, the point of view of the point guard so you could kind of see the court in front of them. Right. which is what most traditional players play on. And I think that once they made that switch, the whole broadcast is, like, elevated. And then eventually they kind of added a stat tracker and, you know, added more in-season player stats and, you know, adding the live player cam and just did the live looking during the huddle. So they really took criticism and enhanced everything. But realistically, I think they just need to continue to do it, you know, like – they do it in all the other major sports. You know, you have ESPN and all the other sports stations that really have a model down pretty well that all you have to do is kind of continue to develop these things, you know. And, you know, what was nice about the studio was they kept adding new things to it. You know, they added like a gaming setup and additional screens that just showed the box scores. And, you know, as it went on, they started to get more crowd engagement throwing out t-shirts to the fans and little, you know, foam balls and everything. So, you know, they really tried to cater to the fan a little bit more. But I do think, and, you know, I hope this is a focus for season two, that they kind of continue on that. You know, esports is electronic, but it's also entertainment. And, you know, I think that what's nice about this in particular, this five-on-five basketball, like, people trash talking, like, there's intensity, like, you're close enough that, like, you could be like, yo, you're going to miss that shot kind of thing, and they'll hear you, especially if you're kind of yelling at That <laughs> They need to kind of keep that excitement. You know, continue with the crowd engagement. Like, I would have loved if someone did a choreographed dance. Like, I kept saying, do they remember the Titans thing? Like, all of you guys come <laughs> in and do, like, an organized little thing, you will definitely get on SportsCenter. You'll probably be on Bleacher Report. Like, you know – these are the cultural things that I think would just keep elevating it to like, wow, like 
that was pretty cool. Like, you know, like what if you all like had like Ray Ban sunglasses in your pocket, you all turn around and put them on and did like a little organized thing. I don't know. Like, I think at the end of the day, it has to get more toward you know the WWE kind of you know you finding exactly you finding yeah. a personality, a storyline, you know, a team, you know. Whatever it was, like everyone was rallying behind the Knicks because they were like the Cinderella story, like making the playoffs by winning a tournament, and you know otherwise they would have been the second worst team, and then they beat the best team in the Blazers, and then they go on and win a championship. Like, but you couldn't have wrote a better story for season one <laughs> for New for New York. Yeah, you know, and then you throw on top that it's the Knicks, which you know we we all are familiar with the New York Knicks basketball. Is not winning not... college exactly. I yeah. don't know if, if people are expecting any championship or deep playoff runs, you know, pretty soon or you know this season at least. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think that it just then you just continue with that. That like, you know, the the way that the crowd was changing and you know the more packed that the crowd is becoming, it just needs to continue with that. Like, I think they got to give away more stuff and have you know, more incentives and like, you know, give them locker codes and, you know, all these things to really get, you know, like I always felt like you need to get people there, do things, you know, you go home with a t-shirt from it or a little ball, like that's something you're going to have. Like you may be throwing it around with your friend or wearing it and people are going to ask you about it. Like, you know, that's the viral organic way to grow things. Yeah. Basically just make it mimic. Like, right, oh, like a regular sports game. Like, you go out there, and I mean, they have, like, the T-shirt cannons, everything. They're shooting it. They're they're having special nights of where they're getting the audience engaged into it and doing special things. I mean, why not just do it for the eSport, too? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. And, you know, as the players start developing their storyline more, it makes it that much more engaging. You know, because everything's in New York, you'll never really have a quote-unquote home game other than maybe the Knicks or the Nets now. Right, like, yeah, yeah, You know, there's not going to be 50 Portland Blazer fans there on the weekend in New York. Or, you know, I, I don't expect it, you know. So, you know, chances are that there's never going to be that kind of rowdy atmosphere for one of the non, you know, geographically located teams. Right. The uh, And that's the kind of thing I wanted to ask you because uh, I guess in, uh, like, in regards to other – other esports, I found the 2K League had its own unique atmosphere. You know, like you said, like with the trash talk. Like, I mean, like I remember the I, well, the first game I think I watched was it had Hood in it, and Hood, I'm sure as you know, is a pretty pretty vocal player. Um, like, I mean, that was something I, I have never seen. I've never experienced watching watching this. Uh, you know, kind of like trash talk back and forth when these these guys are seated like right across from each other. You know what I mean? How like yeah. it's do you like do you that, that sort of atmosphere isn't mimicked in any other esport? What was that? What was that like in comparison? Like was that like you know was it kind of like great? Yeah, I did loved you, it. Did you, it was amazing. Was... Like I, I honestly like there was only maybe one time that like it got like wow these kids might fight like it got really <laughs> heated. And it was like you know because once you have two or three teammates all chirping at one kid, it starts to get a bit more intense. Right. You know when like and because like pretty much it's like the point guard and the center are like you know it's like you that's kind of who are across from each other. And then it like wraps around to the other team's point guard and center. Mm-hmm. So like if you're, you know, usually centers are most of the time vocal and usually the point guards are vocal. So like they're usually kind of going at each other. And if one of them isn't as vocal, 
you know, it, it could get interesting, to say the least. And I think it's great as long as, you know, it's done tactfully and respectfully. It's like kind of the, like, I was always saying, it's like the street park mentality. Like, you don't want to shoot that shot. Like, you're, you're going to pass the ball. I know you don't want to shoot. Like, I got you. Like, like I guard, like you're not scoring on me, so you just better pass the kind of thing. And it's like that as a psychological warfare that exists in this atmosphere, that exists in the actual professional basketball league, and that exists in really every professional sport league. You know, some of the NFL players that I've talked with, like, that's what they used to, we used to talk about. Like, like, what are you guys kind of doing? What's it like? And he's like, yeah, man, it's all about, like, learning each other's tendencies, the positioning of their feet. Are their hands tense? Are they relaxed? Like, are they getting ready to block on a route? Or are they a little bit more fluid in their hips, ready to run a route? Like, you know, you start picking up on, is his right foot right first? Or is, he, is both of his feet set at the same time? You start picking up on these things. Because that becomes the difference at that level. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's nice about this is you can add that whole psychological thing where, like, oh, we're doubling, we're doubling, we're doubling you. So now you hear someone yelling while you're also playing and trying to make this split-second decision in a double team. You know, it adds a whole entire other element that wouldn't otherwise exist. Right, and the big the big takeaway is it needs to remain pretty much ban- banter. It doesn't and, and doesn't get like malicious, right? Like that's yeah, the, that's, no, like all these yeah. kids are really like. What's nice is that like most of them are friends with each other, our former teammates. Like they all play with each other. Like I bet you that if if you pick fifty of the kids, they would be like, oh yeah, I played with this kid before. Like you mm-hmm. know, this kid for three years. Like you know, they kind of grew up and developed this community within itself. And two K just kind of went in and plucked a hundred two of them. And said, "Okay, you guys are the blessed. Here's your in-game icon and your Twitter verification. Have a nice day. Let's play." Yeah, yeah. The uh, the other the big thing we t- we've talked about it on our show a lot, especially with when it was in its infancy and when it was kind of coming up and they were developing. Like, because because you had said before, they kind of developed these things on the fly as they went on throughout the season. How do you see longevity with this? How do you like? Do you see this being something that like has like a good run of like maybe? four or five seasons and then kind of fizzles out or do you see this kind of like staying hand in hand with 2k as long as like as long as the game is being made pretty much i mean i think that realistically and i believe that this has legs that like you know their plan is global like you know Bayern munich already set up their own team and they're just playing other learn local german pro-am teams and like just developing content and you know creating a social media and infrastructure in hopes for when it goes international, they'll already be five steps ahead of everyone else. You know, AS Monaco, which is, I guess, an Italian, you know, one of these other foreign soccer teams, just entered into a partnership with Magic Gaming so they could start to kind of learn how to run this kind of operation over there and start getting some of the brand partnerships that they're working on. So I think that these are really smart companies that have made lots of money run by really, you know, talented people that know what they're doing. So if they're already investing their time and resources into this, when they could be spending that same time on something else, there has to be a reason for it. Right. And, you know, I think that, you know, adding the Lakers and adding the Nets will just really amplify it. Like, you know, it's a shame that the Warriors and the Kings, the two Cali teams, didn't really perform that well. But, you know, now you have a Lakers team that, you know, looks like they have two pretty good pieces and someone who can hopefully – you know, after, you know, being a high draft pick and, you know, having all that spotlight on him, 
be able to go to another place that has a spotlight and still succeed. And, you know, I think that those markets add a lot to it. Mm-hmm. And, okay. you know, that's what I hope. I think that ultimately you, the numbers just have to continue to grow. And, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with the finals numbers. Like, I was like, if there's 25, maybe 50,000 people, that would be amazing. There's like 65, 70,000 viewers. Yeah. It was, it was, and it was pretty impressive. Yeah. So, like, to me, like, wow, when you've been averaging, you know, 7,500, 10,000, maybe 15 to 20 in a tournament, and now you're at double or, you know, triple that, like, that's a significant increase. Yeah, like, no. you know, So that to me shows, like, okay, like, there's enough hype and intrigue by the end of it. So if this new 2K19 is great, and, like, I don't really know how, like, tuned in you are with what's going on in, like, that community, but, like, people have been nonstop grind. Like, people are, like, gung-ho on a mission because now there's some potential end result. Like, you know, yeah. people grinding these ladders and, you know, Overwatch and League of Legends, like, there was kind of a goal. Like, if you got to a certain level ranking, teams and scouts are starting to take notice of you. Like, you may run into a real pro. And if, like, you somehow do well or beat, like, you know, like, that's how a lot of these new 16 and 17 year olds are found. You know, the talent people watch these leaderboards, see who's rising, and, you know, then start to see who they're playing with. And that's how you find these kids. Like, you know, it's not like some of the other sports where it's like there are these traditional powerhouse colleges. So you go to an SEC school and you're at Alabama, you know, there's an inherent value in being there. Like, there's not like these established talent pools. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of kind of like the Wild West at this point, as far as like you know acquiring talent and stuff like that, right? Like, I know, I, and that's an interesting angle too. That now that there is something to shoot for at the top of the like the two K ladder, it, it it builds hype, it builds a player base, it builds it, you know it builds a, a desire, right? And from what I've seen yeah. in the subreddit as well, like I mean, the two K nineteen seems to be more well received than 18 is what i've gathered i guess they've sorted a lot of the stuff out i haven't been paying attention too much but it seems to be better received yeah i would definitely say that like you know one huge name 2k 18 that was a problem but you couldn't really play that well like you know steals that should have been steals in any other video games weren't steals like Mm -hmm. you can really blow by and push people outside the way like it when they're trying to get so realistic they like made certain things like unrealistic that sh- you know that shouldn't have been so i feel like they fixed a lot of that stuff but you know as with any game there's still issues and st- stuff that still needs to be worked out but you know i think that it just shows that they're going the right direction and that you know but like madden they always come out with like a new kind of iteration whether it's about the defense or the playmaker jumping or you know whatever their new angle that they're focusing on where I feel like what's nice about this one is they just kind of took 2K18 and, like, just made it better and refined it. And mm-hmm. that's, I kind of feel like, what more traditional esports games do. It's like, you know, you have StarCraft and you have StarCraft 2, then you have the expansion. Like, all you're doing is adding and evolving and refining the existing base. You know, yeah. you're not making a drastic change in the meta so that now you have the ability to do way more crazy highlight dunks because of the new superpower jumping boost you get, you know, like, you know, like they just like, that's kind of what I felt like happened a long time ago in the NBA live. Like 
you know, NBA Live 05 was great. And then NBA Live 06, they tried to, like, make it a little bit more gimmicky. And, you know, if you have, like, the rebounding dunker, like, you could just dunk like you were, you know, cream on any, on, like, a, a baby kind of thing. And it started <laughs> to get so unrealistic that, like, this wasn't fun. And yeah. So I think that what's nice is that, like, that's what they're doing with this game. They're like, okay, we finally found something that's good and working and that we can just kind of make it better and refine stuff so that it can continue to grow. And that's what I think happened with this game. No, man, that's, uh, that's, that's awesome. That's, I'm glad, I'm glad that seems to be the direction, direction they're going in. Um, that being said though, Dylan, do you have any, anything final, I guess? No, I don't have any final questions. I mean, this has been, you know, definitely really informative for me. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. I definitely didn't know anything about a lot of these topics. So definitely super (laughs) informative. Yeah, no, Justin, like you, you've been like a, a a vault of knowledge within this within this hour, man. Even even to the two K league, like I mean, everything has been. Uh, I like I mean, it is it's a unique glance into an industry that's very new and doesn't have a lot of uh, I guess uh, publishings towards it. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of information out there right now yet, and I think it's just because of how it is. So yeah, no, I wanted to, I wanted to thank you, man, for for doing that for doing this with us. That we greatly appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. I'm glad that we were, you know, this going, you know, able to drop some knowledge and hopefully, you know, work more towards helping the scales be balanced. You know, I think that every player, every, you know, even the team, they need to be aware and should encourage players to get someone in their corner. Like, they need to let them know that, like, you know, you probably should have someone. Like, it's not wrong. Like, you know, Maybe they're not thinking about it, but you should be like, you know, like you maybe should get a lawyer. Like, you know, it's a really big contract. I don't know if you really understand it. Like, I do think there's some obligation on behalf of the teams and those people to think about that side. And I think that as more, you know, the unions back to that come to play and the stronger they become and bigger and more influential they become, that's going to kind of be how it's going to be. Where like, the team's going to be like, okay, well, you guys should have a lawyer. Like, we're probably not going to talk to you if you don't have someone in your corner. Yeah. Just because we want this to stand up. Like, we don't want you to come back two months from now and say, you said I have to sign and I can't get a lawyer. And, like, you didn't tell me I could have one kind of thing. While mm-hmm. that may not end up flying, if it's worth enough, it could be a big enough headache that, like, you know, when you're at that big, your exposure for something like that is huge. Especially – they have, you know, the other side has a lawyer or someone that's willing to bring a lawsuit, go to distance, and kind of push on it. It could just be a really expensive thing to deal with. Even if you ultimately win, the economics of winning may just be a loss. You know, like, yeah. you have to spend 50 or $100,000 to defend a lawsuit that, like, you could have just given them 10000 and called it a day. Yeah, you're not you're not winning at the end of the day, right? Like it doesn't yeah, matter if you if actually you win. win. And like if you give it, okay, well now you have to give me all the money you spent back. These kids don't have money like that. You're not getting that money. Yeah, exactly, right? It's, you're, you're never gonna see it. Yeah, like good that the contract says that. Well, come and get it, like you know, like, <laughs> especially if they're a foreigner and you're here. Like, the, you, how easy is it gonna be to get your money from this, the random eighteen year old Swedish kid? That you know you already gave them ten twenty thousand, and now you're trying to get some of it back. Yeah, it's not. It's I, not I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough, and it'll probably cost you 
somewhere near that to get it, I'm sure. Yeah. And at that point, like, what's at that, once you get to there, like, what's the point, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. So I guess just to round it up there, man, uh, do you want to let everybody know your, uh, your socials? Whatever, you yeah, know, where so, they can you find know, you? Check me out, you know, Justin J E S Q, and, you know, for the 2K World, Worldwide Just, you know, jacobsonfirm.com, J A C O B S O N. And thank you guys for having me, and I look forward to talking again sometime soon. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Yeah, uh, ha- yeah, man. Have a good night. You too. If you liked that, hit the subscribe button for more interviews and other great sports and esports content. Make sure to also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to stay up to date on all the news from your favorite sports and esports players and teams. From our house to yours.